Well, hey there, everybody. Howdy, howdy, buzzards. This is Macy. This is Nicole. And you're listening to Buzzkillers. <laughs> I can't. I think it's just become a thing that the, the giggle is part of the I intro. said it was never going to end. And I, was, <laughs> I was serious. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my gosh, guys. Episode two of Unsolved. Yes. This and is going to be a good one. I th- heard. This is a... I'm going to I'm going to get mad. Oh, we're going to have a rant. <laughs> we're going to have a rant on our hands. What was the other one that I got really pissed about a couple weeks ago? Oh, the one that Jordan had me do. Um, the oh, Sylvia Likens. Yeah, Sylvia Likens, the listener story. Yeah, that one. It's going to be like that. Oh, no. I'm going to get mad. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get mad. Okay. Yeah. I'm not prepared. This is not this is not really a happy one. I don't like this one. Well, they're all unsolved, so I don't think any of them will be happy. Because they're not solved. Okay, do we have any business? Oh, we got to do wine, definitely. But do we have any business before the wine? We're on motherfucking Patreon. Oh, yeah, guys. Hell to the yes. Please subscribe and become a member of our Patreon. You have two different options for tiers. You can do $1 a month or $2 a month. Yep. Um... If you do $2 a month, you get all the same perks as the $1 a month, but you also get, there's a handwritten thank you note we were going to send you. Yes. There are stickers. Ah, I can't wait. They're going to come this week. And you get to join our Instagram close friends list. So you get some behind the scenes photos. We'll post like goofy stuff. and Yeah, we've got some s- cool things that we're going to be attending and stuff this year. Yeah. Things that we're going to be doing, more coffee runs. Things like that. Um, maybe um, a ghost hunt or two uh, <laughs> that's going to be recorded for all of you guys. I like the or two. <laughs> the or two options better. The or two, maybe more than one. Um, but yeah, we've got some cool stuff planned for the Patreon. And if you subscribe, you guys will be the only ones that get that content. Mm-hmm. So it's exclusive. <laughs> it's exclusive. The treasure's bell. I heard it. I didn't see it. <laughs> I saw it fall. Sorry, guys. The boys uh, are doing some. Our significant others are out back yeah. falling trees. And uh, I just saw, I literally just saw like this huge fucking ass branch. I, I was going to say, I saw your face and then I just heard. <laughs> <laughs> that's terrifying. Oh, I hope my brother-in-law knows that that's happening. Oh, my God. I think he does. <laughs> I think Josh was the one that was like, I want to do this. Uh, yeah, but. <laughs> Tyler wanted to make sure that was true. <laughs> I hope he called him or something. Oh, uh, yeah. He probably Tyler's just going to come home and be like, where are my trees? My trees. <laughs> no, sorry, guys. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, guys. Anyway, Patreon. Yeah. Check out our Patreon. And like I know we mentioned last time, and if you listen to our MP Priestley episode, you get the full unedited exclusive video if you join the patreon it is almost three and a half hours long yes so much more content than the actual episode that you can get everywhere else yeah it's so worth checking out and And it was was so cool and it's so cool and you get to see like our reactions to talking with him and stuff yeah because it's the video it's not just audio it's a little bit more personal so it's it's really cool you guys should check that out and And check out his instagram and stuff too guys he's Mm -hmm. he's a cool guy and his book's really good i swear by it yes will forever tell you read that first before you even talk to me and uh, i mean and if just know if you ever subscribe to our patreon we will not only be eternally grateful but every dollar and cent that you give us is gonna go into making this podcast better for you so Maisie, what are we drinking today oh 
I'm excited about this one. And it actually has a description on the back. We don't have to look it up. Huzzah. It's a first in a while. I know. <laughs> we are drinking Apothic Rosé. It is a 2019 California wine. This is a big brand, guys. So I love you could probably get this Apothic. at any liquor store ever. Um, so peer into the secret garden beyond the veiled gate among pale petals lies a refreshing blend. This rosé blends layers of strawberry and watermelon with a hint of raspberry for a refreshing wine that is light in color yet dark in nature. <laughs> Let's see what it tastes like. Okay, so I've well, first of all, I've already taken like three sips. I have not taken a sip. But while you take a sip, I love this wine. <laughs> this is this is new to Macy. This is not new to me. I have tried this wine before, and I drink it frequently. I love this rosé. It has such an interesting taste to it. I like it. Yeah. This is one of my favorite rosés. Okay. So on a scale of one to five mouthfeels, what do you give it, Nicole? Oh, I always give it a five. <laughs> five <laughs> out of five. <laughs> this one immediately goes straight to five. This was like one of those wines that for the longest time when I would go to the store, I'd be like, I'm just, I don't feel like dealing with thinking of getting something new this and trying. Up. I was like, I know I like this. I'm just going to take it. Yeah. And for the longest time, it was what I drank. I think I'll give it a four. I like Fair. I I love really like the 19 Crimes Rosé. I'm a sucker. That is a really good rosé. That's sucker. a good competitor. I love that one. And I th- I think that one will always be my five out of five rosé. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's because it was the first one I ever like really was like, that oh, one, I like this. that rosé was oh, guys. If you haven't tried the California rosé or the Cali well, rosé, it's the Snoop. Snoop Cali Rosé. Snoop Cali Rosé, yeah. From 19 Crimes, you definitely should try it. But it we are big fans of 19 Crimes. Fantastic. And we're big fans of Michael David Winery, but you know this. But we are also fans of Apothic. So this is a mm-hmm. good 9 out of 10 mouthfeels. Yeah. Not all the mouthfeels, but respectable amount of mouthfeels. <laughs> a, close, a close amount to all the mouthfeels. Close <laughs> amount to all the mouthfeels. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> oh, I really God. need to ask, like... So I'm going to this wedding at a winery in a, in a couple months. So I really want to like go and I, cause I know that we get like to taste wine while we're there. I talked to the bride and she's like, yeah, we have free wine tasting. So I was <gasps> like, what? And so I was so excited. And, um, it's the same place. Carrie, it's, um, the Carrie wine, Bell- Bellhurst, Bellhurst, Bellhurst Castle. Bellhurst Castle. Carrie's another good rosé. Yeah, another good rosé. And so I was like, mm, I'm going to ask them if they know about mouthfeels. <laughs> <laughs> What mouthfeel is In this? the middle of the tasting with everybody around. Just be like, um, excuse me, I have a very important question. What can you tell me about the mouthfeels? <laughs> of all of your wines. Go. And just look at them extremely <laughs> seriously. Like, don't smile. Just look at them so seriously. Just be like, tell me. <laughs> tell me all your secrets. <laughs> oh, man. I'm really excited about that. <laughs> I was like, if I could have had free wine tastings at my wedding, that would have been. That is really cool. Choice. Choice. That's I guess that's what you get for getting married at a winery. Yeah, it's I mean, like a, I got it's like a castle in the dead of winter. Winery. So. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I I did it to myself. <laughs> they were like, "Hey, twenty percent off the venue." I was like, "Cool, <laughs> hell yeah!" Okay, I'll get married in January. That's, that's a, great. I'd say that's a big difference, honestly. Oh yeah, <laughs> definitely. Anyway, all right, we've talked about the wine. We've talked about our business. Nicole, tell me about this case that I know is going to make me mad. Okay. So this is a local one. Yes. To us. I did I did know that. 
Um, this happened within the general general vicinity of where we are located. <laughs> um, yes. I don't know why I'm talking like this. I think th- I'm pretty sure they know where we're located. <laughs> We've talked about it several times. It takes place. It's compared to Syracuse. It's about an hour-ish outside of Syracuse. Okay. Um, it's in New Haven, New okay. York. New Haven, New York. Um, which is north of Syracuse. Okay. Um, this is the disappearance of Heidi Allen. <sighs> Man. And this case actually had, there is a Dateline episode about it. Really? Um, yes. Okay. Which was frustrating because the only way I could find it was on their website. And for some reason on their website, it was broken into like five pieces. So I had to keep watching. They were only, so they were only six minutes long. Oh my so, god! So like, I get through six minutes That's and it annoying. would freeze, and I'd have to load the next video, and it would play like this whole thing of ads. I was like, "What is that? Why is it like this?" Oh my god! <laughs> but I made it through it. I made it through it. Oh my god! But that and then um, oh, local NBC NBC three did a uh, special on it. Okay. Called the uh, the Heidi Allen Files. Oh. And both of these, I highly recommend watching. They brought a lot of insight that a lot of the sources online I found did not. Yeah, yeah, um, I find that a lot sometimes with good documentaries. Yeah, there there was like I had the overarching story and then I'd get into the documentaries and they'd be like this happened and I was like hey, what? Wait, huh? When did what happen? What? And uh, if it's dateline, I'm like, mm, yeah, that's pretty reputable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to believe that. <laughs> um so yeah, I highly recommend if you're going to look into this case, I'd start there and then look online. Okay. Um there are a lot of local news sources, Syracuse.com, Oswego County News. Um, but yeah, okay. this guy is, is a frustrating one. So Heidi Allen oh was born September 14th of 1975. Okay. Um, her parents were Ken and Sue Allen, and her, she had one older sister named Lisa. Um, uh, there's not a ton about her upbringing okay um i found one really good article which is in my source notes okay um from oswego county news with it was an interview that her sister did okay and she talks a lot about her sister and so i wrote a bunch of stuff i wrote a bunch down from this article specifically because it was okay. kind of most of what i could find about her her earlier up, life her upbringing got it, um, got it. there was a little bit in the documentaries but not a ton okay um so she said that Heidi was just the nicest person. Aww. She said she had a contagious smile. She was always happy. She was one of those people that smiled no matter what was going on. She was just like a joyful and loyal and selfless human being. Like this girl, like, and she Aww. talked about the fact that she was a really good, a talented athlete. Um, she played volleyball, and she, she at one point, she called her um, a, quote, force to be reckoned with. Um, <laughs> and she talked about how they used to have, um, every Thursday, they'd have a sister day. And so they would, they would spend time with each other, whether it was just like an hour catching up to talk or they'd go shopping or they'd go to the movies. And it was just like, she's, and she said like, you know, we weren't just sisters. Like we were best friends and it broke my freaking heart. Okay. Um, (laughs) that makes me so sad. And, and she talked about the fact that growing up, Heidi loved working with children. Um, she often volunteered with after school programs, one of which was actually called the banana splits. 
which was a group for children of divorced parents. Um, And she was brilliant. She was finishing her last year of high school while attending college at Oswego Community, or I'm sorry, Onondaga Community College. OCC. She, she went to OCC. <laughs> um, okay. She was so she was taking college courses while finishing high school. Shit. Okay. And she was on track to get um, an associate's in human services. Um, as of May, the year she would have graduated high school. So she was going to graduate high school and college basically at the same time. This oh girl gosh. was freaking smart. Um, and all she wanted to do was work with kids. She always said she either wanted to be, like, so some kind nice. of teacher or, a th- like, some kind of either, like, therapist, counselor. Okay. Um, she just loved children and was a brilliant person. Um, when she wasn't at school, she did have a longtime boyfriend named Brett Law. Um, or she was working her part-time job at a local convenience store. Okay, um, just the way you said that. Okay, I don't like it. Yeah. I don't like it at all. So she she worked at this convenience store for about two and a half years up until she the day she disappeared. Um, and actually, at the time she disappeared, she was living with her grandparents. Okay. Um, well, it said her grandmother. Sorry. Um, I guess there had been some issues with her cousin. Okay. Um, she had gotten kind of into a crowd that was into partying and drugs. Oh, okay. And she was trying to get out of that. And there was some tension in the family, and so she was staying with her grandmother for a little while. She just kind of get some space. Okay. Um, so that's where we're at. Got it. So the day that Heidi disappeared was April 3rd of 1994. This was Easter Sunday. It was also daylight savings time. Uh, daylight savings. It was that day. Okay. Oh, where it's where you switch the clock. Yeah. Okay. Um, spring forward. Oh, I never remember which one it is. My phone just does it automatically. Spring forward, fall back. (laughs) I learned that in elementary school. I didn't know that. It's literally the only reason I remember which way it goes. Um. (laughs) (laughs) That's like I have like B.E.A. Utiful. Yes. I don't. I still have to say it in my head. Goddamn Bruce Almighty. (laughs) B.E.A. Utiful. (laughs) But that's how I always knew how to spell it. Or B.A.N.A.N.A.N. That's uh-huh. the only way I know how to spell bananas. Yep. <laughs> so I get it. Oh, my gosh. I feel that on a personal level. Okay. Sorry. Um, no, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> so the previous night, she had actually spent visiting her family. She brought them all their Easter baskets, and they spent time. It was with her par- She was with her parents. and oh, wholesome. I love it. Her sister, Lisa, and um, Lisa was married. Um, her husband's name is Ed. Um, so it was all of them, plus Brett. And they had a fun night. They had dinner. It was just their normal family get-together. It was a good time. She got up Sunday morning to head into her shift. She was not supposed to be working this day. She um, took the shift for a co-worker who wanted to take the day to um, spend the holiday with her children. Um, so uh, Heidi picked up the shift and went in to work at 5.45 a.m. Okay. So right at this time, Heidi is only 18. Um, she arrived at the D&W convenience store, which still stands today. It is not named the D&W convenience store anymore. Um, it is at the intersection of New York State Route 104 and New York State Route 104B. 
in the town okay. of New Haven. Okay. Um, it is now called the Sun Up Food Store. And there is a garden outside that is dedicated to her. Um, so Heidi got into work and she was the only one working this morning. Okay. She did basically everything like she normally does. She opens the store, yeah. was working, ring people out. Is this like a gas station? Yes, it is a gas station. Um, So people coming in, pumping gas, getting their early morning coffee, whatever. And almost two hours into her shift, Heidi disappears. So from sometime between 5.45 and 7.45, she goes missing. Oh, it's even faster than that. Oh, man. This hurts my heart freaking soul the speed at which this happens it's terrifying (sighs) so i'm not prepared at 750 a customer entered the convenience store and found it unattended he called out looked around and the mean all the pumps were turned on the lights were on the door was open he was like clearly the store was open it looked like somebody had left cash on the counter like they had come in and noticed it was also unattended so they just like left money for whether they got gas or a newspaper it was just left on the counter there was nobody there so he went outside and it took him a few minutes he flagged down a um a police officer driving by the police officer comes inside searches around the store checks the back they look outside they're like okay they found heidi's purse they found her jacket, her keys. Like in the office or something or in the break room. Yeah, like I think it was like under the counter. Oh, okay. Um, And her car is still parked outside. But there's no sign of Heidi. So at 7.55, he radios in a missing person. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> So this is... This just the gets... Face wild <laughs> the face <sighs> this this really hurts so there was no signs of struggle like i mentioned there was cash on the counter they checked the drawer there was still cash in the drawer so this clearly wasn't a robbery gone wrong of some kind heidi was just gone so heidi was the the, the target i i can't answer that question but heidi's gone I don't know. She seems like the target. If she was taken on purpose, I don't know if the, I don't know if she was just a victim of opportunity. This why this is why friends, when you open a fucking store, they always have you be with a double. Yep. You are always. almost never ever going to be opening up someplace alone, mm-hmm. either really late at night or really early in the morning. Yeah. Like you should, Safety if your boss wants you to open someplace up alone, say no, thank you. Not comfortable. Safety <laughs> in numbers. Um, please have at least one other person come in like maybe 30 minutes later or no, not even no, come in with me. Never yeah. Mind. So despite the lack of signs of foul play, um, he believed that there was a kidnapping, a kidnapping. Like he, he was like, this is just something about this is not right. Clearly like her stuff is here. There's money. Like, well, did they call like the owner and like talk to him? Eventually, they do talk to her. Or her, sorry. But it's nothing really important, unfortunately. So, you're like, Nicole, you said this happened faster. How the hell do you get a timetable here? Uh, Okay. So, after the missing persons report is called in, 
the authorities quickly began searching the area and they actually put the report out to local news stations so that they could get this on the news and going immediately. They wanted to get this out that this girl was missing. Right. So this story hits the news and a local man by the name of Richard Thibodeau sees the news and he goes, holy shit. I was in that store this morning. I bought two packs of cigarettes from Heidi. Okay. So he calls in and he says, look, I was there. It was this time is about this time. Right. Like she rang me out. I remember seeing her at this time. I don't know if this is helpful. He actually ends up going back down to the store and he ends up helping the police search. He hangs up flyers and everything. Um, and it, you come to find out that he was the last transaction that Heidi did. Before, before whatever happened. What? Yeah, basically. Oh, my God. Okay. So they check the receipts. And at 7.42 a.m., Richard Thibodeau bought two packs of cigarettes and left the store. And then that other guy came in at 7.50. At 7.50. Okay. So the big thing is they say 13 minutes. But that, like thir- minutes. that 13 minutes is from the last receipt to the 755 when he radios in right so it's even faster because that that customer was there at 750 and nobody saw shit and nobody she was just gone yikes um so that's just so you know it's like less than eight minutes yeah for somebody to come and take this girl with like with basically no struggle from what it looks like <laughs> so oh man as this hits the news they get more callers yeah one of the people to come forward or to call in was a man named Christopher Bivens okay Christopher reported that he drove past the store that morning and he witnessed something very unusual while he was driving past he witnessed two men exiting the store one of them had a young female in a bear hug she appeared to be struggling and very frantic and they were leading her to a van that was parked in the parking lot and he did not pull over to look at this at all i I would have pulled into the parking lot yeah i would have been like what the fuck i will run you over with my car what are you doing to that young girl this doesn't look friendly even if it like like no i would totally just pull over and be like excuse me yeah it's Hello? like those people who, like, when they're being followed, they, like, walk up to somebody and they're like, hi, how are you? And you're like, oh, you're good. I'm good. Yeah. Because you're like, oh, yeah. Please help me. bad happening is happening to you and I don't want to get hurt. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I would do. I'd be like, oh. Pull in in front of the hi, van so that they can't pull you? out. I, I remembered that you were working today. Let's go inside. Block their car in and help the girl. Yeah. Don't just fucking drive police. by and then only call in when you find out that. Oh, the girl from the convenience store has gone missing. Yeah, like, what did you think that was, dude? Um, so he reports this, um, and he described that person as being a few inches taller than Heidi, the one who was bear-hugging her. Okay. Was a few inches taller than Heidi, and Heidi was 5'9". So Heidi oh, was she's tall. tall. So this guy was even taller. Yes, yeah, like 6'2", six, 6'3", six, yeah, yeah. probably. He was a tall person. Okay. So Heidi, Heidi's sister, Lisa... Uh, spoke in an interview about her initial reaction to everything. Uh-huh. And she she told the local news station that she remembers she received a voicemail from her aunt. Her aunt had seen the news. Hi, um, Lisa had not 
seen the news or anything yet working or something Um, yeah and her aunt left her a voicemail and all it said was Heidi is missing get to the store and Lisa just and she said I just stood there and like rewinded it and played and rewinded it and played and she was so confused and so thrown off her husband was like come on like we we should go like we we need to leave we need to go and she said i was convinced that it was such a mistake that i got dressed for work before we left so she thought that like she was going to get there and it's gonna be some kind of mistake and and everything was gonna gonna be be fine heidi was gonna be fine and so she was like she got ready for work before they left and they went And she said the seriousness of the situation didn't really kick in until they got to the convenience store and everything was yellow tape, cruisers everywhere, police all over the place. And she said that was the moment it hit her, that this was real, that Heidi was gone. Oh, my God. I just, I I can't even imagine. Oh, my God. I would move mountains to find my sister. Um, I love you, Courtney. (laughs) (laughs) So Find, I would find you. <laughs> this would be like taken. <laughs> you'd be, <laughs> you'd be Liam Neeson and it wouldn't be your daughter. It would be your sister. Be my sister. <laughs> oh, man. So yeah. um, joining police in their search, like I mentioned, was Richard Thibodeau and his girlfriend, Teresa, and his brother, Gary. Okay. So they came. They were helping, like I said, searching posters. And this is the guy that had, that was the last transaction? Yes. Okay. He's okay. technically the last person to have seen her alive. Okay. Okay. Just as to double they, check. As far as they know her right now. So weeks, okay. weeks of searching followed. They had police. They used the New York State Army National Guard. They used the U.S. Army 10th Mountain Division. I don't really know what that is. I was like, that's that sounds fancy. Um, <laughs> Mountain Division. Um, okay. Partnered with hundreds of volunteers searching Aww. surrounding areas. They found nothing. Yikes. No suspicious footprints. No ripped pieces of fabric. Nothing. Literally nothing. And her purse is there. And yep. Everything. Her car is there. Like at, everything that you would be going to look for. Is still at the store. Is still at the store. At this point. Unless it's like her clothes or something. At, they say at this point they've got nothing. And there's no cell phones. Yep. This is 1994. Well, I mean, there there were probably. It was, like there were cell phones. But they were like ones. they were like the boxy briefcase you, you ones. You had them for that work like or whatever. The size of an actual phone with a huge antenna and stuff. Um, <laughs> that most people did not have at the time. Yeah. So. And even with the story plastered across the news, like I said, nothing. Absolutely nothing has been turned up. Um, This makes me sad. Prepare to turn that sadness into anger. So (laughs) police immediately were suspicious of Richard. Simply because... Thibodeau. Thibodeau. Yes, Richard Thibodeau. Because he, he was the last person to see Heidi before she vanished. Okay. It was discovered that Richard drove a van much like the witness that had called in said that they saw in the parking lot. So police searched his car. Nothing. Okay. They took prints. They took fibers. They took hairs. None of it was and, hers. And it was all just his stuff. It was all just his stuff. They found nothing to link her to that van. 
Okay. Nothing. I'm going to say this 18,000 times. You're going to hate this word by the end of this episode. Nothing. (laughs) 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 Nothing. (laughs) (laughs) There's, There's so much pent-up anger that's coming i know yesterday <laughs> you were telling me a little bit about what this was about and you were so angry i was like shh, shh don't tell me anymore you're gonna give something away don't do it it's like i'm gonna lose my shit right now um <laughs> so he even willingly gave up samples of his blood and hair and po- like let police fingerprint him no guilty person gives their fucking hair i mean unless you're stupid I mean, I mean, I know people have been stupid yeah. before and done it. Like, yeah. but unless you're overly confident in your own abilities and you really think you're that good, but nobody's that good. Nobody. I, um, I don't. Okay. So despite this lack of evidence, complete lack of evidence, um, they kept Richard under surveillance as well as his brother, Gary. So weird. when they did question Gary, um, Gary told police he had been at home asleep with his girlfriend at the time and his girlfriend corroborated this. She said, yeah, like we were in bed. We were dead asleep when she disappeared like together. The two. Okay. Okay. And again, despite nothing, just one month after he- Heidi vanished, Richard was arrested and <laughs> charged with first degree kidnapping. Then just three months later, authorities also arrested Gary and charged him with the same. Wait. <laughs> so. What? <laughs> just because this was the last guy, like. This is. You're. I'm infuriated by this trial. That doesn't make any sense. If you so, have no. You have no evidence. How can you like think you wouldn't even be able to stand trial without amount of evidence? There's none. Any competent lawyer would tell you you do not have enough evidence to hold these men you listen to the evidence they have okay so like i mentioned before christopher bevins bivens i'm sorry he is the eyewitness that called in and reported the two men okay um he testified he quote positively identified uh richard's van as being the one that was in the parking lot there are thousands of vans that probably look like that well i will say he did have a unique van. Okay. Okay. So okay. it's kind of, it's almost like a utility van. Um, and it was whitish, light blue. Okay. The doors were dark. They were either black or like a very dark blue. So like, like they were you know replaced when you see, Yeah. Like when, when you see cars that like have like replaced the door with a different color. Yeah, yeah. That's what this looked like. So both doors were a dark color. The back two doors were a different color too. They were also dark. Okay. And then there was on the very end panel of the car where the trunk is, there was mm. a big stripe. There was a black stripe. Okay. So in a small town, yes, this is an identifiable car. This is, okay. you'd, be, you'd look at that and be like, yeah, I, I definitely just saw the car. Okay. This is one man. Who's yeah. <laughs> so he described it, identified it. Okay, so that place is Richard there. Okay, that place is Richard there. He fucking came forward and said he was there. There's a receipt showing that he paid for something there. Yes, he literally came forward and was like, I was here. And there, okay. So He's not lying. That's now, so weird. Another witness came forward. And this is the witness whose receipt was from 7.41 a.m. Oh, before his. One minute before Richard bought his two packs of cigarettes. Okay. So he would be in line in front of Richard. 
this witness, um, I did not find a name for them. Okay. Um, I got a lot of this information. You can actually read. There's a couple court documents that I have linked in my notes that I came across. It's like the whole freaking thing in lots of legal terms that I was like, what the hell does this mean? Um, (laughs) (laughs) I literally read. I had to Google a lot of what I was reading. But they had a lot of witness testimony written in it. Um, So, but they didn't have a name. So this person was the one who was checked out directly before Richard. He identified Richard identified his van he claims when he went out into the parking lot to get in his car that richard's van was running and there was somebody else sitting in the front seat but he couldn't tell you what they looked like he just knew there was another person in the car and did did he say yeah i had another person in my car or he said it was just him it was just him okay So, a third witness testified that they saw Richard's van on the road around the time of the kidnapping and said that they were, quote, driving erratically. Okay. I, again. But this is all stuff that cannot be corroborated. Yep. Girl. (laughs) I hate this case. (laughs) (laughs) So, prosecution also brought forward a couple witnesses that placed Richard's van at Gary's house later that morning. But again, that's his brother. Was he not allowed to visit his fucking brother? This just like, okay, this, you've put him there, which he's already admitted to. Yeah. You've identified his van. Which was... Which is, in the parking lot if he was there. Yeah, which, which is, is what his because he was there. Um, everything else, how the actual can you prove these people are not mistaken? Misremembering something. I was going to say the credibility of one witness. If like, okay, so if like four people came up and said, I saw this exact same thing. Yeah. And they like if it said was, the almost to a T, the, like the exact same explanation. Then you're like, okay. But yeah. one person, one person two well, two people, and but it's saying like, completely different things. They're not even corrobor- corroborating each other's stories. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay. <sighs> okay. Like I understand, you know, if, okay, like say a van full of people drove by and they're all like, yeah, we all saw this. That's different. But this is one man that drove by in his car and one man that was in line in front of him in the store. That's it. That's all these people are. But you could like literally like, I I feel like I've looked up and thought I saw somebody in a car a million times (laughs) and then literally what I was just not been anybody. That's literally what I was just going to say. That was terrifying. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I literally was like the amount of times I've looked. It's like looked either through a window or into a car and been like, there's a person there. I've like done like a double take and been like, there isn't a person there. Your eyes trick you all the time. Exactly. And on this morning. And he couldn't say what they looked like. And on, it was early in the morning and it was snowing. It was a gross, slushy, snowy it was morning. snowing. <sighs> so it was like, okay, you walked out of a convenience store. You think you saw somebody sitting in a van. Did you actually see somebody sitting in a van? Or are you positive? Did you like see them out of the corner, like in your periphery? Cause it's and, then look, and then look up and see them? Or did you only see them in your periphery and continue to walk to your car? Yeah, and it was like one of those things you just kind of mentally noted it. Like, oh yeah, this person over there. But like, he, he couldn't describe them. There was no 
he never just gave a description of this person. The only way you can actually know that there was somebody sitting in that car was to say, I saw someone in my periphery and I looked over and confirmed that I saw this person. It was a white man with dark hair yeah, like, and a mustache. Yeah, like you should be able like, to say that at least. Yeah. At least. You should like, at least be able to okay. say it was a man. It was a woman. It was. I don't see any identifiable marks, but they were this, like, you know, they were, somebody they were with this, maybe this ethnicity, maybe this color hair, you know, maybe not height or anything, but like I saw, a, like you said, a there was white at least man like a with white dark person. hair. Or, yeah. Just like, it could have been. But it's just like, oh yeah, I saw somebody there. Hmm? So. Motherfuckers. <laughs> now, they used all almost the exact same information for both trials. Richard and Gary were tried separately. Um, the only difference was for Gary, they had two. That's the brother. Yes, he's okay. the brother. The, who they, was sleeping. Who was fucking sleeping and not there. <laughs> they have two witnesses that they bring in. Specifically against Gary. And now. Okay. So after Heidi disappeared, Gary was arrested on an unrelated drug charge. Him and his girlfriend. Okay. And this is something that they talk about in one of the documentaries I watched, and I cannot remember which one it was. But they said that this was almost a little too extra for drug charges. So these drug charges were from Massachusetts. Okay. So this was a warrant out for his arrest in Massachusetts. They arrested Gary and extradited him to Massachusetts to serve time for this. Okay. And... The people in this documentary said that this was almost a little extra. Like, this is not something that normally happens for a minor drug charge. All sorts of shit happens for a minor drug charge. I'm sorry. So. People could be assholes. Yeah. There's that lady who had, like, a minor drug charge that Kim Kardashian got off. Like, first offense, minor drug charge, and they sentenced her to fucking life in prison. That's true. That is true. Like. So. (laughs) They'll do some crazy shit. um, The the drugs. The drugs. (laughs) The drugs. drugs. (laughs) Gotta get me some drugs. (laughs) 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 Anyway. um, So they took him. They sent him to Massachusetts. And he did serve some time. Now these two witnesses. That come forward. For Gary's trial. Were two inmates that he served with. Who will lie to save their own skin. Mm-hmm. So, these, quote, witnesses claim that Gary confessed to them that he had done drugs. He had gotten them from Heidi and was paranoid that Heidi was going to snitch. And when he became paranoid, he killed her. That's a fucking stupid story. Can we say hearsay? That too. The but fuck? that is the worst fucking explanation for why someone would kidnap somebody in the fucking world. Oh, yeah. I heard that this guy say that he just kidnapped this girl because he was afraid of the drugs she was selling. If they knew anything about Heidi, they would have known that that wasn't fucking true. Mm-hmm. Oh, Girl. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I hate this case. Um, 
So now remember, like I've said, you we can prove Richard was in the store that morning. Aside from these witnesses, there is nothing directly tying him to the store that morning. According to his girlfriend, he was not there. No DNA. There was no, no fingerprints. No DNA, nothing. nothing. There not was even a hair. No physical evidence in this trial at all. This is Gary's trial. Both of them. Oh, both of them. Yeah, well, yes, both of them. Gary just had the two extra witnesses from the two inmates. But both trials were witnesses only. Yep. How? <sighs> Girl, hmm. how? How is this allowed to happen? So, ow. Listen to this. Oh no. Gary was found guilty and was sentenced to a minimum of 25 years. His brother Richard, who supposedly uh performed this kidnapping with him, was acquitted. Wait. So the man who had a witness that knew he was not there at all. And there's no physical physical evidence to even prove that he was at the store at, at all. There's two people that saw him from a very far distance, quote, but say they saw him. That's, they, they found him guilty based on these statements from these witnesses. They put this man in jail. How? Okay, like Richard would have been one thing. Like, okay... It's wrongful conviction, probably, but he was at the store. Like, okay, I, I could see that. How they would maybe think that he had done it, even. But the other guy, he has a witness saying that he was at home, has an alibi, has a fucking alibi. <gasps> okay. Girl, you should see. They have, the, <laughs> they have the video. They played it in the documentaries I watched. Wait, the surveillance video? video? No, they have oh. the video from the trial of when they announce his guilty sentence and the you just you literally just see him and he's just like like just complete shock i feel like i can't hearsay because of freaking i was i mean we were talking about fred and rose west the other day they literally couldn't convict frederick west of that one girl's murder because his son had been talking to him and he said he confessed to it Mm -hmm. but they couldn't do it even though he said he confessed to him because it's hearsay. Yep. It's hearsay. You can't convict somebody off of hearsay. Even like, even if you are like almost 99.9% sure that somebody did something, mm-hmm. it's almost impossible to convict someone on hearsay. Who the fuck was this person's lawyer? Like who was the prosecution in this? I want to know. It blows my mind. And then you see, you, they this show, is such and a it, miscarriage of justice. And they show the same part of Richard's trial when they announced not guilty. And it was two different judges and two different juries. Well, yeah. And it just like, I'm sorry, that was the prosecution's entire argument was that these two brothers committed this crime together. And, and one gets acquitted. One of them who they can't even fucking 100% prove was at the store who has a fucking alibi is the one who gets guilty. And the other one is acquitted, and he was fucking there. It makes me so angry. So angry. (laughs) I'm flabbergasted. So. Because we have been proven even people who are guilty of things cannot be convicted on hearsay. And so a fucking innocent person mm -hmm. is is convicted on hearsay? Yeah. 
bullshit. And a few members of Heidi's family said they were kind of confused because Heidi didn't do drugs, wasn't a drug dealer. Why weren't they brought in by the defense? And oh my god, the um the profile that had been given did not fit Richard or Gary. The profile of the of the yeah of the. They thought that this, they, they said Sorry. that this person would have a history of violence. Okay. And neither Richard nor Gary did. He only had the minor drug charge. That's not violence. Yep. And like I said, no physical evidence. They still do not have Heidi's body. Okay. Now, I, I, like I said, she seems like the, they went there for her. That's I, what I feel in my bones. That whoever did this was like lying in wait for her to be alone. Girl, I'm about to blow your motherfucking mind. <sighs> so you're going, you're like, okay, well, wait a second. I thought this case was unsolved. Well, yes, it still is because technically they never found Heidi's body. But despite the fact that Gary has served time for this, the case, yes, is still listed as unsolved. And there is so much more. God damn. This is only about half of what is about to happen. Shit. Okay. So. Do you mean need more wine, friend? I do. <gasps> Hold, please. <laughs> I got to fill the cup. <laughs> so. Well. It came to fi- come to find out. After their trials and stuff. After the trials. Okay. This is many, many years later. Okay. <laughs> so they were tried in 1995, okay? This is like early 2000s. Was there a lot of public pressure, do you know, to solve this? I think there was. Because it was such a local and tight-knit community. Okay. It's a very small That's town. That's the only way I could think that this was carried out in this way. I think this case was horrifyingly mishandled. It, I mean, I don't know all about it yet but I think so as well. So go ahead. <laughs> this, you think you're angry now? Oh, you just wait, sweetheart. Shit, All right. Shit. So. Okay. Defense, the defense team eventually came to find out that Heidi Allen had been working with a local deputy, deputy, sorry, named Chris Van Patten as a confidential informant. Heidi. Heidi. For what? She was reporting to him on people who were selling drugs in the area. And she came to get this role as a confidential informant. Like I told you in the beginning, she got a little messed up with the wrong crowd with her cousin. And this is what caused the tension. The police approached her and said, look, you're not in trouble. We want your help. So she agreed so that she wouldn't get in trouble. And that was when she moved in with her grandmother to try and kind of get some tension away from her family and try and, you know, um, so police, they had gained knowledge that Heidi had been to a few parties in the area and witnessed drug deals. Um, and once Heidi agreed, they filled out, and you see this card if you watch the documentaries, they filled out a three by five index card with Heidi's information, her confidential name, which was Julia Roberts. That was her, her title. Um, it had her age, birthday, address, phone number, all 
of her personal So if the police had done like, you know, like a quarter percent, 25% more investigating, they oh. would have noticed that there was this thing in her life that could have possibly That's resulted in her kidnapping. They, could have. Not even 100% when I, when I tell you this plausible. Is, when I tell you this is mishandled, they knew this. They knew this. They Wait, wait. They knew this the whole time? The police? Oh, yeah. The police knew this. And they didn't look into any of those suspects? Well, listen. So, <gasps> along with this 3x5 index card, there was they took a photo of Heidi. Okay. And these two things were kept together. And for some godforsaken fucking reason, they were not in a file in the police station. They were in uh, Deputy Van Patten's wallet, which uh, fell out. In the parking lot of that very convenience store. So what? this card that has her photo and all of her information on it fell out of his wallet in the middle of the parking lot where she worked. Okay. And this says on it, confidential fucking informant. So what? This card was later turned into the police by the manager of the convenience store who found it while she was sweeping the parking lot. Okay. They do not believe that anybody else saw it. And this woman says that the only other person she said anything to was her mother because she was unsure of what to do with it when she found it. Okay. But still, that is two people who now know that Heidi is a confidential informant. You could literally pick that up off the ground, look at it, and drop it back down. That's exactly what I thought. How do you know that somebody else didn't walk past that and see that? And think, okay, well, the person that lost that's going to come back for it. But I know what that says. Yeah. I've got that knowledge now. I don't need to take the you card. You take out a pen. You don't know how long it was on the ground? <gasps> so. <Ugh. laughs> um, Heidi actually never ended up being used as, the, as an informant. Um, she never got the chance. Um, like that happened like pretty quickly in succession or something like that? Yeah. Okay. So she never, like like I said, she never really worked any cases for them, never gave them any information. She had the title, but wasn't, was not used. But anybody who would see this card doesn't know that. It says okay. she's out there snitching on drug dealers. And if it's It some, don't matter if, they, if the, you've snitched or not yet. And All if there's <laughs> somebody being suspicious who picks it up. And happens to know that Heidi knows that they've done something bad. So <sighs> the prosecution, or I'm sorry, the, the defense gets this information and they're like, why the fuck did we not get that? Why did we not have this file? We did not, we, they did not know this. During the trial, they did not know this information. This was never brought up. So like the, the, ev- but, the, the defense is only working with like half of the actual evidence. Which is illegal totally illegal you cannot they have to be they they disclose everything to each other exactly so but at this point it's 10 years too late they're like we can't this this doesn't prove anything it opens up other theories but it doesn't oh but you could totally you could totally submit that to a judge and be like my client well we were not allowed to use this information (laughs) so (laughs) god damn it (laughs) um sorry i made her laugh (laughs) um so they get this information 
with other things. What other things? <laughs> Lots of other things. Oh no! So you're about to learn some stuff that's gonna make you want to yell. Uh, okay. Okay. So this is just a little tidbit. Jump forward to 2004. One of Heidi's cousins, Melissa Searles, um, she had given Heidi a golden bracelet with her name on it before she disappeared. Okay. As like a gift or something. Yes. She opened her mailbox one day and found this golden bracelet in an envelope inside. What? (laughs) For reasons completely unknown to literally everyone. Melissa did not tell authorities about this until years later. Wait, 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 wait. So they found out about this in 2004, but it had happened way before? Yes. Sorry. What? So she got this bracelet that she knew was Heidi's and didn't think it important to bring to, to say authorities. To until say, fingerprint this DNA, there might be something on it. Until 2004. Until years. Ten years later. Years later, when it was far too late for anything to be done about that. And it had been in her procession. It's not like she just put it in a plastic bag. So, (gasps) that's just a fun little tidbit. Um, Then they got what they thought was going to be a big break in the case. And nothing came of it. Uh, So... In February of 2013. Okay. A woman so almost 20 years later. Yes. Let's just put it like that. A woman named Tanya Priest approached police. Tanya told the police that three men, Roger Breckenridge, Jane Steen, and Michael Borer, had kidnapped Heidi because they believed she was going to rat on them for selling drugs. She explained that the three men took her, beat her to death in the garage, and then dragged her body across the road and buried her in her remains beneath the floorboard of the cabin there. She said she learned all of this information many, many years ago. So she had been visiting a friend, and this friend's name was Vicky. Okay. Um, Vicky was dating one of these three men, and they were sitting around the TV when... Um, like a news, a little news story popped up that talked about remembering Heidi. Right. And Tanya just kind of said, you know what? I wonder what happened to her. That poor girl. Like something kind of along those lines. Okay. Just thinking out loud. And Vicky kind of said the same. And in the room was James Steen. And he goes, well, do you really want to know? So what? he then proceeded to basically confess the story that she just explained about them taking her because they thought she was going to rat on them for selling drugs, that they beat her and killed her and buried her. He told her, he told Tanya that they grabbed her and tossed her in the back of their van. He said he grabbed her in a bear hug, just like the witness had described. When Tanya said, I don't believe you, like, that that's, I don't believe you, like, you, you're fucking with me, he got mad and yelled 
And he was like, fine, if you don't fucking believe me, go ask Jennifer Westcott. Jennifer Westcott was dating one of the other men and was actually a girl that Tanya knew from high school. So he said, and, and James went on to say they got lucky that another van had been in the lot after theirs or before theirs, sorry. And that they just simply got lucky. And when she said, there's an innocent man in jail for this crime, he said, not my problem. So, oh my God. Since that happened, Tanya didn't, Tanya like didn't know what to do with this. She like, what do I do with this information? Do I tell somebody? Yeah. Panicked, like hardcore panicked and was like, I don't know what to do with this. Like, I don't know how to process this information. And she actually ended up moving out of state. And it wasn't until many years later that James Steen was arrested for shooting and killing Vicky in a domestic dispute that she came forward. Oh, my God. So she's oh, it, took, it took that. I would have been like, you told me this. This is what they said to me. She She said it was that along with um, she lost her own husband. So she said these tragedies just like brought all of this information flooding back. And she was like, I can't just sit on this anymore. Like uh, she was like back then I didn't know what to do. But like I, I right. can't shut my mouth anymore. Right. So okay. she explained this all to police and they devised a plan and the plan was to speak with jennifer westcott okay um so jennifer well i'm sorry tanya reached out to jennifer they became facebook friends again they kind of started small talking you know just kind of catching up to try and build a relationship um until eventually they get to the point where tanya feels comfortable calling her and you can listen to this call. You can listen. Oh, they play really? it. Yep. They have this on. They have this recorded. Okay. It is in both documentaries that I watched. So the phone call starts out and for a little bit, she small talks with her and she was like, and she kind of brings up, she's like, you know, I was remembering something totally crazy the other day. And she leads into the disappearance of Heidi and everything that James had told her. And at first, Jennifer kind of. Doesn't say much. It's a lot of, mm, yeah, I don't really know. Like, not getting anywhere. Okay. And Tanya eventually says, you know, did you know? Because when, I'm sorry, I skipped a little little tidbit here. When they took Heidi in the van, they brought her to Jennifer's home. That was the information that he told Tanya a long time ago. Oh, my God. That's why he said, go ask Jennifer. Go ask Jennifer. Because okay. it was her garage. Like, it was I wouldn't house. let anybody do that in my so, fucking garage. So, Tanya, Tanya keeps saying, like, you know, it's just so weird. You know, did you even know it was Heidi when they showed up at your house with the van? And Jennifer says... No, I didn't have a clue. They made her wait in the van. And Tanya's like, well, like, why didn't, why didn't you go to police when you found out? 
She says, and I quote, I would never open a can of worms like that. God almighty, I'm not, I'm not doing the investigator's job. I don't get paid enough. This girl supposedly has information, knowledge on what happened to poor Heidi Allen, and she says, I'm not doing the investigator's job. I'm sorry, last time I checked, an investigator's not a motherfucking psychic? Yeah, and they ask and people to come forward who have information. They don't get information from nowhere. You have to tell it to them, you what the fucking fuck? idiot. Well, they should, first of all, they should have been looking into the fact that she was an informant and that she should... They should have been looking into her contacts from the beginning. They should have been looking into who her contacts were. So, okay. But, I mean, she, but at the same time. She didn't really have any contacts, though. She hadn't, like I said, she hadn't done any cases. She'd been to a few parties, witnessed a few yeah, drug but deals. she knew who those she, people were. I was going to say, she might have a few names to be like, well, I think it was this kid from high school. But she never gave any of that info yeah. up. Yeah. I mean, they didn't know that. They just thought that she had been snitching. <clears throat> so... I literally wrote in all caps the next bullet. What the fuck does that mean? After her quote. Um, <laughs> so this conversation led authorities to verify a few of the details that Tanya had said. And it allowed them to start digging deeper. So they went back into this case. Okay. Um, authorities went and picked up Jennifer. And they brought her to the station for an interview. Yay. Good. When they asked her about the phone interview, interview they kind of, they acted like Tanya had just told them about it. Like they Hadn't heard the whole thing and had it on freaking tape. She lies. She claims. She said, I never said Heidi was in the van outside. I didn't say any of that. She keeps claiming she didn't say anything. Oh, I don't want to she, do the investigator's job. But now they're finally contacting you and, you, and they want the information. But you're you giving it to them. And you're lying. What the fuck? So. Well, they go, OK, well, what if we told you we have that phone call on tape and we know you're lying? Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer gets pissed. She continues to try and lie. And she said that everything she said in the phone call was basically just to get Tanya to shut up. She wanted her to just stop talking. She was like, I don't want to talk about it anymore. So I just told her what she wanted to hear to get her off my back. Mm, yeah, okay. So... They continued to try and press, and when they asked about her boyfriend's van, she mentions that it was scrapped. Of course it was. <sighs> they have um, a voice recording. I don't know if it was from a call or an interview. They okay. didn't really um, specify, but they said um, Tracy Breckenridge, who was Roger's wife, told authorities... Roger and James had a van that they scrapped. And when they when she asked why, because she was like, that wasn't like, why would you scrap that van? Like, there was nothing wrong with it. Roger said, because there was evidence in it. And when Tracy said, what do you mean there's evidence in it? He said there was blood on the back seat. But this van has been scrapped. It's gone. They can't do anything with They've that information. Oh, my God. Uh. So in the ride home that is given to Jennifer by the police, they ask her, you know, it must be pretty good to at least be able to get some of this off your chest. Like, you know, you've probably been holding this right, pretty, some right. of it pretty close. It must be kind of bugging you. And 
she said she's felt dishonest for a long time. She took a lie detector test, failed the lie detector test. Um, they then talked to all three men. James, at that point, was serving life in prison for murdering Vicky during their domestic dispute. Oh, my God. All three men denied the story and said they had nothing to do with Heidi's disappearance. Um, so the police continued to dig, and they were like, we're going to go back over this case and try and see what else we can get here. They re-interviewed the inmates that testified against Gary. They stuck to what they said, and they claimed that they got no perks for testifying. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I believe that. So a few months go by, and Tanya's like, okay, I haven't heard anything else from the authorities. Like, I'm going to give them a call and find right. out what's going on. Um, so they said they were not going to be investigating any further because they didn't believe the story was credible because they couldn't find any information. I'm sorry. I think the phone call with Jennifer was far more information than anything that was presented in court against both Gary and Richard, but I don't know. That's just me. Um, yeah. So she was like, dumbfounded she was like what do you mean there's not enough evidence here to keep going then so she was like i can't i can't just sit here and let this go like this is this is this this man confessed and there's a innocent man in jail i am going to do something Mm -hmm. so she called all these people and eventually she gets connected with lisa peebles lisa peebles was the defense lawyer who worked for gary and richard ah Lisa described the phone call with Jennifer as jaw-dropping. She admitted that Heidi was in that van in her fucking driveway. Mm-hmm. What? So, she, because the police wouldn't do anything else, Lisa called a reporter by the name of John O'Brien, who worked for Syracuse.com. Oh. So she got John invested and John began looking um, into the into the case and um, he was connected with Richard mm-hmm. and he f- spoke with Richard a few times and Richard actually offered the excuse me, the seven boxes of files that he had kept on the case. What? Seriously? Richard had a bunch of files on the case. Shit, okay. So, it was within these files that they found some evidence that had never seen the light of day during trial. What? So, not only was this how they discovered that Heidi was a confidential informant, this is where they found the document that was never given to the defense never given to the defense it was like buried within all of these files that he that richard had gotten oh my god so they had they had this all this information um hold on a second sorry i like ended up repeating a little bit of my notes here and i meant to take that out and i didn't um you do 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 <laughs> She's looking at her notes like, what? What did I write? I do that all the time. <laughs> I just like 
I I think I meant to move that piece and I like copied it from up top so it's literally all the same stuff but it's like a paragraph and a half of information that I meant to like take out so okay. I was like ah, oh, what did I do here so the um, testifying attorney who had heard rumors of this fact said that he actually tried to ask police for information about this when he asked they said that there was no file on this bullshit now they've found this file bullshit and in case anybody would like to look up the law it's called a brady violation and that is when the two arguing sides do not properly turn over their evidence to each other because you have to provide everything yeah there's they are legally required to show everything that they have so that they can argue against it in a later search of actual police records in the police station, they uncover a handwritten note by the assistant district attorney that they show in the documentary. You see this note. Shit. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. It is signed and dated by him. And it's attached to a file that says, this file not copied for defense attorneys. What? The note says that. The note fucking says that. Fucking cover up. Word for word. This file not copied for defense attorneys. That's so illegal. Did he get sued? This just like... <laughs> I hate Nothing this. happens to this guy because of this. I hate this. This man swears up and down that they gave them every drop of information. They take this note in this interview in the NBC3 documentary I watched. And they fucking have a copy of it and they show it to this assistant district attorney who wrote and signed it and said, this says you didn't copy it. And give it to the defense team. Why? Why? What is this from? Do you remember this? He doesn't. And he just like sits there for a second. And he's like, I'm just going to reiterate what I said earlier. All of the documentation was handed over to the defense. This has your name and a date on it. There's literally a signed fucking note that says he did not. And the defense team was like, we have never seen this before. Never. So, then his sentence should be overturned. Oh, you just wait, my girl. You just, oh, my God. You just wait. Okay, so. Man. This file also contained. Oh, fuck this. I hate this so much. This had two letters in it. These two letters were written by a man named Dr. Myron. Okay. Dr. Myron is a world-renowned specialist in analyzing people and being able to tell if they are telling the truth or not. Okay. So he's like one of those people that can pick up on the ticks, all those things when you are speaking to know whether or not what you are saying is truthful. Okay. Dr. Myron was called in by authorities to interview a young man, I'm sorry, a young boy named Brett Moore. Brett Moore? Who's that, you ask? Oh, let me tell you. Brett Moore was 
most likely the last person to ever see Heidi Allen alive. So not- or I'm sorry, not alive, but ever see her before she was buried. What? Supposedly, Brent Moore witnessed the disposal of Heidi's body. By who? Is it those same guys? Did their names come up again? Because I'm pretty sure you should look up at them. Look at them, maybe. Just a question. His father, and like they do this connection, and you can see in the documentaries, his father had connections to these three men, like through certain people. They also had a connection to the mother of the store manager who was told about the confidential informant card. What? (laughs) They linked them all. Motherfucker! There were like these three people. And now they don't have any evidence to convict any of them of it. I'm not even going to try to explain it to you right now because he literally draws it out in like a Venn diagram in this, in the NBC3 special. And it's, there's like it's probably confusing. It's it's really confusing. If I try and speak it to you, you are going to be like, "What the fuck is she saying right now?" Mm-hmm. But they show, and it's like one of these three guys. It's like his girlfriend and their like friend, and they know like this guy who like knows her, and they're like, "Oh, and it's a small town. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows everybody. Fucking knows every pe- uh, yeah. Even if it's only vaguely. So." He, Dr. Myron, is called in to interview this young boy who supposedly saw the disposal of Heidi Allen's body. (sighs) One of the letters says the following, and this is a direct quote. Okay. As a result of the interviews, it is my professional opinion that Brent Moore report of the certain, I'm sorry, it's my professional opinion that Brent Moore's report of the certain events pertinent to the disposal of Heidi Allen's body, which he witnessed, are true and accurate of those events. Specifically, it is in my opinion that Brent Moore witnessed Heidi Allen's body being transported in a van and then saw her body burnt in a garage shed on the property of the Barlow residence located on Pankhurst Road in the town of Scriba. Now, the thing is, Brent Moore was three and a half years old. Uh, okay. At the time. At the time. That he was spoken to. So. Okay, I'm sorry. Little kids, you think they're stupid. They're not. They're fucking smart. They see everything that you do. He examined drawings that the boy had done. And you see some of these drawings in the documentary. And he oh points no. out. He points out like a tree. Where like it's like and it's of course it's it's three and a half year old drawing so it's like kind of scribbles but yeah. the boy like pointed to what things were and like he they like tell you what each thing is and it's supposed to be where she was disposed and he said after examining these drawings and after conducting this interview he believes that not only did the boy witness this but he is now suffering from PTSD he is oh. exhibiting many signs of PTSD. He was able to identify Heidi in photos by name. So he just like put down a photo and said, you know who this person is? And he said, oh, yeah, it's Heidi. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. And told Dr. Myron he had seen her in the back of the van covered in bugs. 
covered in bugs. This evidence never saw the light of day. This was never used. Isn't it awful? Okay, but okay, okay. I see. Maybe not completely believing a three-year-old boy, but that puts a reasonable doubt in your mind. mm Mm-hmm. And you've got, and that's the point of a defense lawyer, is to put reasonable doubt in your mind. And you've got a world-renowned specialist who they could have brought on the stand Mm -hmm. to talk. (gasps) Yikes! I'm so mad. So, Brent's parents were not together. Okay. Brent's own father, Richard, is interviewed in this NBC document and excuse me NBC three documentary. Okay. <laughs> it's a mouthful. He said until they came to him to interview him for this documentary, he did not know this information. He was unaware of the fact that Brent and Brent's mother had gone to police. That's how hidden this evidence was. His own fucking father didn't know about it. Oh, my God. So one of his mother's accounts, when she spoke with police, said she had actually talked to Rich, which Rich was his father. He claims this was untrue. And she said that Rich admitted to performing drug deals with Heidi. He was like, I've never done drugs. He's like, I've had my struggles, but I've never done hard drugs. So there's, like, all this weird shit flying about. There's, like, this three-year-old boy who supposedly witnessed the disposal of the body. Now, now the like mother... Do with the mother, though? And that the mother maybe witnessed it? And maybe not the father witnessed it? We don't know. <gasps> it is all a freaking mess. But oh this God. was never mentioned in the trial. These forms were never given to the defense. Which they is illegal. did not know about this information guys my dad is a lawyer that's illegal Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) my dad is a lawyer that is really bad they they find all this evidence and they were like well this is like a new glimmer of hope like right we have all of this against these three men against even if it doesn't convict them maybe it'll at least least get it'll acquit gary Gary. yeah (laughs) So, oh no, I don't want to. <sighs> no, oh. <laughs> I'm just gonna keep like angry laughing in this because I <laughs> fucking hate this. Oh my so, God. like I told you, John O'Brien was working on this story. Okay, that's the, the newspaper or the Syracuse. The Syracuse.com reporter. Okay. Yes. Okay, okay. So in the meantime, he again tracks down the two inmates that testified against Gary. They have a different story now, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> One of the inmates, Robert Balbasaro, when he spoke with John, his story changed. And now I took I took this straight out of the documentary. It's a little confusing. I am still we'll talk about it. So he told John that Gary had never directly confessed to him that he killed anybody. So that right there. He lied on the stand. Yeah. Um, 
he said a much different statement that she's reading it again and being like wait what <laughs> sorry I just I like went to say something and was like that's not what that says and I had to like <laughs> read it three times because I confused myself so he said he lied that Gary never directly confessed to him and that he got on the stand and he lied about it oh man he didn't say why he lied Coercion, he never uh, he still claims he didn't get anything out of it then why lie i maybe time out of jail i don't freaking know but, but he, he didn't get anything for he it he now says that he lied on the stand that gary never can directly confessed to him about killing heidi and he was convicted off of their fucking testimony Ugh! So, something else they find out. A former coworker of Heidi's comes forward. This coworker yeah. explains in a sworn statement that Heidi had expressed to her that she was scared. She said she was, the police had come to her and wanted her to nail, quote, nail people for dealing coke. And she was scared. Almost like they were pressuring her to do this. So she wasn't a willing informant. Not in my opinion. I'm telling you, this was all a fucking cover up, man. Lisa Peebles tried to use all of this evidence to overturn Gary's conviction. They were granted a hearing in which they would present all of this evidence to the judge, and the judge would decide if it was worth overturning and bringing it back to trial. They argued about the missing documents, and they even brought in all three of those men to testify. When they brought in Michael Borer, they became aware of the fact that Michael Borer had become obsessed with Heidi's case. Which one was that? He was one of the three men. That said, like, she either, like, that was, saw the van or, you know. No, he was, he was one of the, the three men that Tanya oh, claims oh. took her. Oh, 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 okay, okay. So he had become obsessed with her case. And, like, had boxes of newspaper articles and was, like, weirdly fascinated with the goings-ons of her case but wasn't actively making himself available to them. no okay um he explained his obsession away by saying he was just frightened yet fascinated um but when he was questioned on the stand about his obsession he started to cry what? It also became apparent that he did have a criminal history of violence. Like they predicted in the profile. Hmm. All three men. <laughs> all, Angry humming. All three men took the stand. They all said they had nothing to do with it. Bullshit. 
the DA claims they gave all the evidence. Bullshit. Bullshit. They, they have, have evidence that you didn't. They have evidence that you did not. Sorry. By the end of it. I'm so angry. The judge ruled there was not enough new evidence to link these three men. There were no charges brought against them. And to this day, there have been no charges brought against these three men in the Heidi Allen case. He also ruled that the evidence was turned over to them. What? Mm-hmm. And they were denied an overturned sentence. Okay, first of all, even if it's not these three guys, like, okay, sure, whatever. But that whole evidence thing, there's a letter signed and dated that says, we did not give this over, and you're going to claim that we did, and you're not. Like, that's a mistrial waiting to happen. Like, that's, that, like, that's that, what they were afraid of, is that they would be found to be fucking incompetent. They would have been, it would have made them look like a fucking shit show. Girl, I just spilled wine on my pants. (laughs) (laughs) And it's not what I was I just laughed really loud right (laughs) into my microphone. (laughs) They were afraid that they were going to look like a fucking shit show. Because they were. Because they were. It's horrible. I do not understand how anything in this case has happened. At all. Everything is wrong. Everything. How did a judge at least, okay, like say, okay, there's not enough sufficient ed- evidence to say that these three men committed the crime. Sure. Okay, fine. But to say that they did not hand, like, oh, that they handed over evidence that they clearly did not. And then to say there's no evidence to, to prove that this guy should receive any sort of new trial. That's bullshit. It was a four to three decision. One person said no? Four to three. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. They were off by one to get it over. The majority? Yeah. So Lisa Peebles, she brought the case in front of a panel of judges to try and reopen it again after all of this and was denied. Um, Cover up. There's a fucking cover-up. A little later, she did get the panel to agree to review the case, possibly to reopen it, and again, it did not work in their Cover-up. Something is being covered up. Unfortunately, Gary's health began to decline, and he passed away behind bars in August of 2018, two years before he would have been eligible for parole. Until the day he died. There is a very heartbreaking interview. He's in a wheelchair. He's on an oxygen tank. He basically (sighs) looks like skin and bones. And he says, they know I'm innocent. I'm behind bars and they know I'm innocent. And he maintained. choosing to keep him there. He maintained his innocence until the day he died. What the fuck? Um, his brother, Richard, says he f- will forever regret and hate himself for coming forward. I would have. Yeah. In hindsight, I would have never fucking come forward. He never. said he feels so guilty for everything he has done for but to his brother, to his family. They call them child murderers. They scream at, scream at him and his family in the stores. Kidnappers. They call them all kinds of horrible names. And it's not fucking true. And he's he said in this interview that he is terrified of going places on his own. 
because he's afraid that something's going to happen and nobody's going to be there to witness it. Besides him. He doesn't want that ever again. So, something that confuses me a little bit was uh, Heidi's sister Lisa, when asked about her thoughts on all of this, she said that she trusted the work the police were doing. She said, for me to speak against them and the arrests that they've made and the way this case has gone would be to speak against the police. And she didn't want to do that. She said she believes that Gary was the right man and they did what they needed to do to get a, to close this case. I, I listened to her say this in one of the interviews. It's like it's in one of the documentaries. You watch her say this. I just was shocked. If that was my sister, I'd be on a rampage. No, not if there was evidence that came forward that said that this wasn't true. I would totally be like, this person is innocent. My sister's murderer is still at large. Yep. And is out there. And she (gasps) said she just trusts the work they did and didn't want to speak against her police and believes they did the right thing. I will leave you to think what you will of that. Um, Brett Law was never a suspect in it. Um... He doesn't really talk a lot about it. I guess he does stay pretty close with the family. Um, He believed, he mentioned in a very old interview that they showed that he actually thought it might have been somebody that she knew. That she wasn't, I mean, unless she was taken, like they they claim that the witnesses saw her taken, like Mm -hmm. against her will, Mm -hmm. that she wouldn't have gone willingly unless it was somebody she knew. Right, yeah. And everything is so, there's no sign of struggle, none of that. So if she went willingly, it was somebody she knew. Um, Man. This case caused her father to have a pretty severe heart attack. He has a lot of health problems. He doesn't work anymore. Um, Her mother has sadly passed. Her mom actually passed away on her birthday. It would have been her 39th birthday. Holy shit. Yep. She was a very... um, Sue Allen was a dedicated teacher. She worked um, with special needs children. Um, After Heidi's disappearance, they said that she went back to school for one day before she quit her job. because She couldn't do it anymore. It breaks my heart. And that poor mother probably died never seeing justice for her daughter. So, as I mentioned before, Heidi Allen's disappearance remains unsolved to this day. Her case is classified as unsolved, despite the fact that Gary had a very questionable conviction and served his life behind bars, supposedly for this crime. Um, They never found her body, and there's actually still agents assigned to this case. Shit. It is still an active case. Um, just for an information, she was last seen wearing a gray hoodie with a Syracuse lo- uh, University logo on the front that's plaid. Um, she had blue jeans on and white sneakers. And they believe she was wearing a long golden chain necklace that had a heart on it. 
At the time of their, her disappearance, she was described as being 5'9", weighing around 145 pounds. She has long, curly, light brown to dirty blonde hair and blue eyes. She has a one-inch scar on her right knee and pierced ears, and she wore glasses or contacts. Today, she would be 45 years old. Um, there are a few age-progressed images that were created of her. I will post those. Um, they are a few years old, but they still give you a good idea. If you have any information on Heidi Allen, you are asked to please call the Oswego County Sheriff's Department at 888-349-3411 or 800-724-8477. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the horrifyingly mishandled and unfair case of Heidi Allen. Makes me so mad. I'm <laughs> like fucking pissed. I just don't understand how you can be shown all of the information against against Roger, James, and Michael. The phone calls with Jennifer, even though, and they did search the cabin where Tanya claims they said that she was buried. They did not find anything. They never found, again, they still never found any information. Supposedly, they scrapped the van with the evidence in it, though. They hid the, the three-and-a-half-year-old witness. They, they did not hand over the information about the interview with this witness. They didn't hand over the information about the lost confidential informant card or that she even was one. There is so much wrong with this that I just don't understand how anyone how? could possibly yeah. sit here and say, yeah, this case is done and over with. I don't, I'm fucking, I don't, I don't get it. And it just, and like, I, like I said, just seeing the Thibodeau's family and the interviews, because they do, they do interviews with Richard and the kids, their kids, and they just talk about the fact that it was, it's just been hell for them. It's literally been hell for them. People they, torment he, like, them to literally have someone come to, to say I am I am embarrassed and upset and regret coming forward like that says something when a witness says I am ashamed that I came forward and gave information to you that to me is just telling it's appalling like you should be able to come forward and trust your police yes that's the whole point of the police. Like I, like this man came forward thinking, "Oh my God, I, I, I saw, saw her. her. Like I could have credible information that could help these people, and they turned against him, all because he was the last one in the store, the last person, the last transaction she completed, the last person to see her alive. What the fuck? With no evidence, nothing but horrible." Witness testimony. Witness testimony. Hearsay. Witness testimony. Bullshit. That's <laughs> such crap. I'm I'm disappointed in law enforcement with this one. I think yeah. they I think they let Heidi and her family down very hard. Oh, definitely. And I think the wrong and there's some something there's something that they're hiding. 
I'm sorry. There's something that they know that they're hiding. There's no reason that you don't hand over evidence like that. And there's no, how did those people not get in trouble for that? Well, how did that, how did that DA not get disbarred? How? I, I don't understand how? how they can sit there with, with a handwritten dated signed note that says we did not copy and give to the defense attorney and they can still sit there and say oh no but they got it that blows my mind look at my files you want to see that i have it no you're gonna see them in the new files because i have it now I was like, like, asshole even if it was <gasps> eventually copied <sighs> and given to them why wasn't that note scrapped why wasn't there uh, uh, an update to the note on the back that says a different date copied and given on blank 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 three months later or something you don't write a handwritten note like that and just leave it in a file no like not with some sort not without some sort of addendum or something yes exactly if it's been given over mm-hmm. if it's given been given over there is definitely some sort of addendum that's and been added i just i can't get past the look on the assistant da's face when they bring up the note to him like he never thought it was going to ever get found. He just, he has this blank stare of almost, you can hear him mentally saying, don't react. Don't react. Just say what we were taught to say. No, we gave it to them. That's, that's what he looks like. Because then why He's did so I argue it? stone faced. He just sits there. I feel like their lawyer, who is Lisa Peebles, right? Mm-hmm. She would have she would have brought that up if it had been given to her. I mean, I know that there are lawyers that don't use all of the evidence that they're given. Like I know, but she says I've like, they. I've never seen it. She's like, I have never seen this document. This was not in the original files. And she has her original files. I'm sure. Do you know how many fucking file cabinets they have in a law office? So many. She fought long and hard for Gary. Yes, if you believe somebody is innocent she, and you know they are innocent because all of the evidence proves that they are evi- like oh and it's it's sad Fuck that the like I told you they did the interview with Gary where you see him and he's it's <sighs> in a wheelchair. really old and sick and they that guy died in jail and he shouldn't have they asked him and they said what do you think about hope there is none and he just kind of like sits there and he's just like it's like it doesn't matter at this point he's like i've got he literally says i have so many health issues that freedom's not even worth it at this point because i i'm just he's like there's no freedom for me i'm so sick that it's not it's not even worth it that fucking hurts my heart that i'm like, so upset by this i i'm l- legitimately upset and um i have a friend whose father is a police officer around here and he unfortunately I, I we didn't get i wasn't gotten back to in time about it um he did not work this case but he did have connections to people that did work the case I really did want to talk to them about it or even just like ask a few simple questions. I feel like I'd be just shut down like everybody else, but I don't know. <laughs> I just. Well, maybe we'll have a update. A Patreon this exclusive. Exclusive. <laughs> talk. We'll see. But I don't know. I'm just, it makes me sad. I feel like Heidi never got justice. I feel like. Definitely not. Gary was innocent. 
I do not think he was the right man. No, I, I don't, don't think Richard was. I think they were horrifyingly screwed over. And even if they found the easy people and they pinned it to them, even if Roger, Michael and James did not have anything to do with this, there was definitely enough evidence to overturn Gary's sentence. And I'm sorry he was robbed. That poor man spent the good years of his life in prison and died behind bars because people couldn't fucking just try to, like, give him something, anything. How could you not take a step back and be like, something's wrong here? Not one person. Only his freaking lawyer and his family. Because there's a culture. There's a culture there. (laughs) You don't want to snitch on anybody. Fucking stupid. So... Yep, while somebody was tried and served time, Lisa, uh, I'm sorry, Heidi's case remains unsolved. I hate these ones. Why did we do unsolved month? I know. <laughs> these cases make me want to rain hell across that the world. That was like last week when you were like, "What?" so so what about this? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> There's nothing. I don't know. And it's like the whole Brian Schaefer thing. I don't know. Oh, my God. That was like, um, I was listening to, I don't know how caught up you are with Morbid. Morbid. No, I'm not very caught up at all. For anybody who doesn't listen to the podcast, Morbid, they just did a two-part episode on the smiley face killer. Mm. And there's just so many parts of it that you're like, what? Huh? And there's just no answers. No answers. And it's infuriating. Absolutely infuriating. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. Fuck that. I'm pissed. I'm. I don't have anything nice to say, so I won't say anything. <laughs> I understand. Fuck! 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 <laughs> I fucking hate this. Demon voice. That's how I feel today. <laughs> oh, what a case! I like went into this, and I had. I was given two recommendations by family and friends for my uh, my cases this month, and mm-hmm. the other one is kind of a bigger one. I'm not going to say what it is, but I yeah, went, mine's bigger too. I was like, I want a little bit more time. I'm going to start that one tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe Tuesday because I have a family dinner tomorrow after work. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm going to start that one. There's a bunch of documentaries to watch and stuff. So I was like, I want to give myself more time. I'll do the Heidi Allen case first, thinking I can do this one in a week. Oh, I could have easily spent probably months on this. Because there's so much out there about this one. Yeah. And it's... I mean, everybody we talked to at that at that dinner where everybody like was like, oh, you should cover this. Mm-hmm. Said, like, there is shit. It's messed up. Like, the, everybody that... When we were like, oh, yeah, we're talking about this case. They were like, oh, yeah, I remember that one. I knew that. Yeah. You know. That's how... I mean, every... Like I said, guys, we're from Syracuse. This is... We are going to do a coffee run for this. We are going to, to, we are going to go visit the garden that is dedicated to her. Um, There will be some photos on Patreon. We'll do a coffee run for it. So like I said, subscribe to our Patreon. You will get access to that. But this is not far from us and close to home for sure. It is definitely a close to home 
there everybody knew about this case except for me because i'm not from here yeah i wasn't from i'm not from here (laughs) neither one of us is from here so we were like the what and everybody was like you haven't heard this case and i was blown away by this case i can't believe it my mom did a, like a similar thing to me the other day with a case and was like, oh, this happened like in around us. Da, 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 and I looked it up and I was like, oh, my God, I feel like I remember hearing about this. Well, that's the thing is I, I actually brought it up. I asked my dad because at the time this happened, my parents were living in Rochester. My dad was FBI. Yeah. So and law enforcement was involved. FBI was involved. So I, I asked my dad and he, he said, unfortunately, no, they have their own division out this way. So he was not involved, but he said it did sound familiar. And so did my mom. They do. They both remember hearing her name. Even out in Rochester, which out, is far from us. It's like about an, that's an, like an hour couple, away. It's about two hours from us. Yeah. And they, they remember it. And Yikes. I wasn't born yet. I was born the next year. 1995 i was two years old <laughs> my sister was alive <laughs> i was alive i was two years old when this happened because you said 94 right mm-hmm. yeah i was a baby heidi allen was a beautiful girl and i hope everybody just you know if you want just take a moment a moment to like look her up and she was a beautiful and smart and talented girl who just was taken was from taken from us world. far too freaking soon she had so much potential and it was i i'm saying this because there was like i said there was that one interview that her sister did and she talked about how the case often gets overshadowed by trial and all the details and things like that and people kind of forget that it's about heidi right right she was an 18 year old girl she didn't even get to live her life yet and it's just heartbreaking That's that so upsetting. not only was she taken from this world too soon, but she was never given justice, if you ask me. Oh, never. Never. She's probably, like, pissed off. Like, this guy didn't do this to me. Yeah. Like, her ghost. Seriously, with the kind of person she is, I could see that. In the afterlife, being like, this is not right. Mm-hmm. But, I don't know. <sighs> I'm frustrated. What a day and grumpy about this i don't like this one okay it's not so much that i don't like it it's just that like it infuriates me no yeah i like <laughs> i like making people aware of cases i just sometimes i get emotional that's fine <laughs> it shows that we're still human um but uh macy <laughs> let me get off my tangent here of ranting about this freaking case why don't you give our listeners uh, some places that they can find us and okay. hear us? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so we are all over social media, friends. We are on Facebook and Instagram at Buzzkillers Podcast. At Buzzkillers Podcast. We are on Twitter at Buzzkillers Pod. At Buzzkillers Pod. We are on YouTube. You go to your handy dandy search bar there and you type in Buzzkillers colon a true crime podcast. Buzzkillers colon a true crime podcast. And <laughs> <laughs> there we are right there in all our glory. Um, please subscribe because <laughs> if we get to 100, we can have our own customized URL and it won't be so hard to find us. Now. You won't have to use the, you won't have to use the search bar. No, you can you just, can just be like YouTube.com slash whoever we are. Podcast. Yeah. Um. We are. I mean, I would hope you'd know if you are an avid listener. We are on Patreon now. 
type in Buzz Killers and you will find us. We have two tiers of membership. Please, As if you are so inclined. We should be, um, we are patreon.com slash buzzkillers podcast. Okay, perfect. That's the easiest way to find us. Perfect. I forgot. We got, we got, we did get to make our, our own URL. For, for that, that one? Yes. Okay. Um, we are also, you can listen to us anywhere, anywhere you find your podcasts. Um, mainly Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, Google Podcast, Pandora, iHeartRadio, and our host plat- platform. Platform. Platypus. Platypus. <laughs> Podbean. I'm going to call them our host platypus. Our host platypus. <laughs> our host platypus Podbean. I just had this image of us sitting in like, you know, those really long tables and like the old spooky movies and you're in the creepy old mansion and there's like that really long dinner table. And I pictured us all like sitting in old fashioned garb and at the head of the table, there's just a giant platypus. With a monocle. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Our host platypus. Guys, the wine Podbean. was good this week. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, you can find us at www.buzzkillerspodcast.com. Hell yes. On our website, you can find out a little bit about us because we're pretty cool and we're fun. Um, you can find out a little bit about the wines that we have had throughout this almost a year almost year almost oh my god isn't it crazy it's literally gonna be a year next month i i just thought of a date that like well technically we launched in august but, but our, we started our the process our idea july. our idea our birth date is technically july 9th <laughs> okay guys thank you so much for listening and sticking with us and we will be back at you next week with a third unsolved case which we are sorry that this whole month is Mer- freaking torture torture i mean it's torture for me listening to it and li- and researching it same it's like i don't know who did this it's driving me crazy because <laughs> normally i'm used to being i'm used to being like okay well this person did it or like there's this here and this guy like i'm this talking about talking about hard. the actual killer and yeah. now i'm just like okay well now i have to talk about the victims and i have to be like well guess what there's no answers have fun with that knowledge and I you're got like, Fuck it. it's awful but we love you so much Follow us, listen to us, like us, subscribe to us. We appreciate you all 100% times a million times infinity to the moon and back. What she said. And um, just keep keep on keeping it on, friends. <laughs> Don't be a buzzkill. <laughs> be a buzzard. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we love you. Bye. Bye. This episode is brought to you by BK Creations, LLC.